attention, please. You are wondering what today's lesson will be about. Today's lesson is going to be about emotions. Now, we all start with a primary set, and as we grow older, we acquire more of them. When your emotions control your action, it affects not only yourself, but the people around you. This will help. Sit down. Emotions are centered in the lower part of the brain. It is complicated, yes, but mysterious no longer. Emotional behavior is largely involuntary. <laughs> I can't believe that. We have certain basic emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Notice your own emotional reactions. What did you feel? What did you do? Under control, your emotions can make you healthier and happier and improve the lives of people around you. This is pretty clever. That's a rather simplified suggestion of a complex mental process, but you get the idea. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Lord, over the next few moments, would you change the way we think? Would you teach us all what it means to rest in your presence and in your power, in your sovereignty? Would you teach us all what it means to rest in your peace? In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So I heard this story about an old country preacher that was standing in the pulpit one Sunday morning preaching about the evils of alcohol. And he said, if I had access to all the beer in the world, I'd pour it down the river. He kept going a little bit, a little bit longer. And he said, if I had access to all the wine in the world, I'd pour it down the river. A few minutes later, he was just preaching to the top of his lungs. If I had access to all the whiskey in the world, I would pour it down the river finished his sermon and sat down and the choir director stood up on stage and said turn to hymn 134 shall we gather at the river <laughs> that's funny a little laughter's good isn't it maybe you've been in a season in your life before when Laughter was hard to come by. When just a little laughter was fleeting. I have. Today we want to talk about what to do with an anxious heart. We're going to talk about fear and anxiety today. So it's going to be a little heavy. But if our congregation that's here today and those that are watching online are representative of our nation, we've all dealt with anxious hearts in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Sometimes we don't like to use that word anxiety because there's a stigma attached to it, right? So call it nervousness, call it worry, call it fear, call it fret. I don't care what you call it, but you know what it feels like to have an anxious heart. Anxiety, it's that, that feeling that is just this excessive apprehensiveness about what may or may not happen. Last week we talked about how we are created as body and mind and spirit. Anxiety will affect all of them. It'll, it'll affect your body, your heart rate. It, it, it'll cause disease. It'll affect your mind, sleepless nights. It'll affect your spirit. My question, can worship 
and worry occupy the same space? It affects us. It's, it reads your Bible. King David, a man after God's own heart, said, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, under so much stress, the sweat of his brow became blood. So anxiety is a very, very real emotion. <laughs> America, one of the wealthiest nations on the planet. We lead the pack when it comes to its citizens experiencing anxiety. People that move to the U.S. from poorer nations typically see an increase in their anxiety level. That makes sense, doesn't it? I saw one USA Today poll that said nine out of ten Americans agree on this one thing. How many know we're not great at agreeing on things these days? We can't agree on politics. We can't agree on religion. We can't agree on very, we agree on very little. Nine out of ten Americans agree we have trouble staying sane in a USA Today poll. Starting in the 20th century, listen to this. The Journal of American Medicine. Okay, this is not Wikipedia. The Journal of American Medicine said that with each generation, people are three times more likely to suffer with depression and anxiety than the previous generation. So what does that say about the generation to come? One psychiatrist, please listen to this. One psychiatrist said that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patients of the 1950s. Every year in our nation, 50 million people deal with panic attacks, phobias, and diagnosable anxiety disorders. 50 million people. Okay, just for a point of reference, in the entire metropolitan Atlanta area, there are 6 million people. How can that be? How can we live in the richest place in the world with all of the conveniences that we have and all of the technology that we have. We have access to more information. You have access to all the information you need in the palm of your hand. We have the most elaborate entertainment available since the dawn of time. We have more creature comforts today than any people have ever had. We have the most fascinating technology in the history of humanity. And you would think as our society progresses that our, our worry and our fear and our phobias would decrease. As we get richer, our phobias would decrease, our anxiety level would decrease, but exactly the opposite is happening. And just because we are in a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church this morning doesn't make us immune to those levels of anxiety. And many of you would testify to that. So let me, let me give you a little disclaimer today. And, and this may, I, I don't know how, how you, your particular theological stance will, will agree or disagree with what I'm getting ready to say. Maybe you're here and you deal with anxiety to a level that requires professional help. That does not make you a second-class Christian. Guess what? I have diabetes. And I go to my doctor and he gives me a pill. Actually, he gives me a bottle full of them. Do I believe that God could heal me Absolutely. Absolutely. But until he does, I'm taking that medicine. Because if I don't, I won't be able to get out of the bed tomorrow morning. And maybe that's you. Without professional intervention, you can't get out of bed. Listen, 
Don't let the stigma attached to mental health stop you from seeking the help that you want to seek. But, but, but listen to me. There's other help available. There's a greater help available. And what we're going to talk about today is how you and I can find this path that God has graciously showed us to get a grip on anxiety. He's shown us how to deal with the anxious heart. Right in the pages of his word. Not too terribly long ago, we did a, a study. It's a book by Max Licato called Anxious for Nothing. We did it on Wednesday night. Some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you today is a direct result of that study. I, I wanted to give you this one quote. Listen, because here's the deal. We want to we believe that, that we are immune to the, the things... Uh, of this world that would cause us worry and fear and fret and anxiety. L listen, you, you can't avoid it. He, this is what he said. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. You don't have to live there. That is not God's plan for your life, to live in perpetual, constant worry, fear, and anxiety. That is not God's plan for you. God has given us a pathway to peace in Philippians chapter 4. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going we're to break it down a little bit. Is that okay? Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can I stop there? Don and I have been leading worship for a long time. And even in, in the context of a local church service, you, we have a hard time with that rejoicing in the Lord always. Well, I don't, I don't feel good. I got in a traffic jam on the way to church. I had a flat tire. I woke up, my coffee maker was broken. We find all sorts of reasons to walk into the church and, 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 and not connect to what's happening. I'm going to challenge you this morning to take this passage seriously. Rejoice in the Lord always. Even if we're not singing the song you like, even if the guitars are out of tune. I'm, I'm not preaching to your liking. Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and, and Paul has an exclamation point. I will say it again, rejoice. And oh, by the way, this man that's telling you to rejoice in the Lord always is chained to a Roman guard in prison. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will transcend, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I love verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you need him today? The God of peace. So let's look at this pathway to peace. The first step on the pathway to peace is to praise the Lord of the circumstance. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. What's the, what's the most powerful part of that phrase? In the Lord. Listen, we can rejoice about a lot of things. We can rejoice when our boss gives us a raise. We can rejoice when the kids are behaving. We can rejoice when our team wins the game. We can rejoice for a lot of reasons. We can rejoice because they're going to bring us unlimited chicken wings tomorrow night. We can rejoice for a lot of reasons. There's a difference 
and just rejoicing and rejoicing in the Lord. I can celebrate God's goodness because he's good. I can give gratitude to a merciful God because he's shown me mercy. I can rejoice in the Lord because he's the Lord and he's in control. <laughs> so when we rejoice in the Lord, it's an, it's a, it, it's an exercise of surrender. God, you're in control. You are the Lord, and I am not. You can hold on to the illusion that you're in control, or you can surrender to the one who really is, but you can't do both. Any control freaks in the house? Do we got three honest people in the room? Maybe you're in a prison of anxiety because you're trying to control things that are outside of your control. It's a vicious cycle. We've just come through a worldwide pandemic. Listen to me, regardless of where you stood on social distancing and mask or the vaccine, the one thing we can all agree on is there was a lot of voices of fear in my lifetime. <laughs> I've lived through some of those events. I remember Watergate. I was just a kid, but I remember Watergate. I remember the oil crisis of the 1970s. I remember sitting with my dad in the car, lined a half a mile down the street to buy four or five gallons of gas when they were rationing it. I remember the terrorist attacks in Oklahoma City and New York in the 90s. I remember the first Gulf War. I remember 9-11. I remember the second Gulf War. I remember the financial collapse collapse of 2007 and 2008. I remember the pandemic of 2020. I remember the racial tension of that same year. In that same span of time, I've lost all my grandparents, had my heart broken and captured by the same woman. <laughs> Together, we'd lose two children to miscarriage, lose three of our four parents, change careers, plant a church, and raise two strong-willed young men. In my lifetime, there have been a numerous occasions for the voices of fear to ring out and if i live a little longer i'm confident there will be more how many know there's going to be another event but through them all i've come to understand that god is in control my heavenly father is sovereign i've come to understand that i can be confident in the voice of the lord almighty his truth trumps every fear i will rejoice in the lord regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what's bringing me anxiety and stress and worry, I will rejoice in the Lord because I can, because He's in control. And He loves me, and He loves you with a passion that you can't understand. He is in control. So in every circumstance, we have a choice. We can choose to dwell. Please, please hear this. We can choose to to dwell on the severity of our circumstance or we can choose to dwell on the sovereignty of an almighty god i choose god yes. now before i dislocate my other shoulder <laughs> i'm learning this this is not something that i I'm a processor. Things happen in my life. I start, I'll, I'll roll it over and over in my head. And if I'm not real careful, that process will become worry and it'll become fear and it'll become anxiousness and stress. And all of a sudden, I've taken my eyes off the king of the universe and I'm looking at a circumstance so hard, it's keeping me awake at night. That's a choice. Let's choose to focus on the one who holds our lives in his hands and rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice because our circumstances are lining up like we want them. 
Because oftentimes they aren't, am I right? Oftentimes our circumstances don't look like we want them to look. But we can, in every circumstance, rejoice in the Lord. Because nothing will, if you're bought with a price, nothing will come into your life that doesn't pass through the hands of your Father. (laughs) That passage goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. Here's a question. Has a difficult circumstance ever made you less than gentle? One translation translates that word gentleness as reasonableness. Husbands, let let me tell you how to get in trouble. Honey, you're just being unreasonable. It's an example, y'all. I was just... Right? It's <laughs> Have you ever been unreasonable? Have you ever had an unreasonable fear? Have you ever had an unreasonable worry? And maybe you tell your, your buddy, your best friend, your, your, your girlfriend, you, you tell somebody, uh, uh, and, and, and they have this look come across their face like, why are you worrying about that? But it's very real to you. And, and you're having an unreason, unreasonable, slightly less than gentle reaction listen to me in those moments when those circumstances that might have the potential to cause anxiety and we react unreasonably or we react less than gently there's a likelihood that we're not surrendering control there's a likelihood that you're holding on to something that christ is calling you to let go of now 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 listen this is as hard for me as it is for you because i hang on tight Kathy Max, he'll tell you, I don't like turning things loose. I'll give something away and get it off my desk, and you know what I'll do? I'll put it right back on it. I don't let things go easily. But if if I react, all right, now now guys, if, if we react in a less than gentle, if our reaction is less than gentle to some some circumstance that would cause stress and anxiety, there's a chance we're holding on too tight. So here's what Paul said. In those moments, rejoice in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's step one. Rejoice in the Lord. Look at somebody and say rejoice in the Lord. Praise the God of the circumstance. Step two. There's this passage. Oh, it's beautiful. Have, have you ever heard, um, have you ever heard um, um, this phrase that God inhabits the praises of his people? Have you heard that? There's this, the, the passage that comes from is Psalms 22, verse 3. And it says, God, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, now let's unpack that a little bit. it's hard for us to imagine God inhabiting anything. Do you know why? Because he's everywhere. That passage literally says, God, you are enthroned. What do you do on a throne? You sit on it, don't you? So what what that begins to help us understand is that when we rejoice in the Lord, when we lift our praises to the God of the circumstances, he sits down. How many of you would love for God to just sit down right in the middle of your circumstance? Right in the middle of your expectation. Here's, I mean, right in the middle of your, your, your situation. Here's the second step. We expect his presence. Paul said the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Listen, if you're in the room and your life is covered in the blood of Christ, listen to me. The Lord is near. When you don't understand where I'm walking, I'm walking through a difficult time, the most challenging season of my life, the Lord is near. When the, the stress is overwhelming and, and, and the worry is, it, the Lord is near. <laughs> and, and listen, do you notice that I, I said expect His presence and not sense His presence? You may not feel Him. 
See, we, those of us that are filled with the Spirit of the Lord, you know what? We like to feel, and we like, we like those goosebumps on the back of our neck, don't we? We love that. And, and listen, and, and, and there are moments when you will, yes, absolutely, but you may not feel Him. Well, how do I know He's there then? Look, look at me. Because he said so. And he can't lie. <laughs> I know he's here. And I know he's near because I trust him. He's proven himself faithful in every part of my life. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's stronger to trust him than it is to feel him because your feelings will lie to you trust is a much more powerful agent of healing than what you feel let's say it like this trust is more healing than your feelings so just know this he's here and he's near and that's so easy to say in when we're gathered with like-minded believers in his house. It's so easy to say it then. It's so easy to say it after the worship team sings, just speak Jesus. It's so easy in those moments. But here's what I need you to carry away from this service is the understanding that regardless of where you're walking, regardless of the severity of your situation, the Lord is near. Because he said he would be. So we praise the God of the circumstance. We expect his presence. Hey, and this is right out of the Anxious for Nothing book. Ask God for help. He said, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And just because there's a number there, don't, don't miss the and. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That thing that is the most troubling for you, that thing that keeps you awake at night, that thing that rolls over and over and over and over and over and over in your mind and in your heart, Have you asked God to help you in that thing? And, and what might be a better question? Have you asked God to help you and have you left it in his hands? I will tell you how God showed this to me this week. I shared this Wednesday night. So earlier in the week, I had a situation in my life that was causing me worry. See, men like to call it worry instead of anxiety. I don't know why. We just do. It's causing me worry, causing me stress and anxiety. And I was, I was sitting on my couch, and I had just gotten off the phone dealing with this situation, and I was you know, wringing the hands, and I'm going, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is going to end poorly, and, and, and if it keeps going this direction, bad things are going to happen. And I'm just, and I don't know how God talks to you all, but I, I'm sitting here on my couch, and here's, I heard God use my wife's word. He went, seriously? <laughs> You're going to stand up in front of all those people Sunday and talk about how to deal with an anxious heart? And you're just going to sit here on this couch and, and roll it over in your head and not even ask me for help? I was like, all right. So I bowed my head. Y'all, Donna would be, would be my witness. I bowed my head on, on that couch. And it, listen, it wasn't one of those, you know, high and mighty, swinging your hands in the air prayers. It was a whisper, and it was desperate. And I said, Lord, I need your help here. I need, I need you to turn something around. Y'all, 10 minutes later, 
the phone rang. And that thing that I had been worrying about for the better part of the whole day just flipped upside down. Is that coincidence, y'all? The privilege of prayer is the most beautiful privilege on this side of heaven. And why do we not avail ourselves of that privilege? I like courtroom dramas. I do. I, I, for about two years, I was reading all the John Grisham novels. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. I, I like... Uh, like the, the practice back from the late 90s. I love those courtroom dramas because I love it when the opposing attorney says, objection! And I'm like, why can't we do that all the time? Why, why can't, you know, we, the, the guy at the, at the car shop that says, it's going to be $400. Objection! Why can't we do that? There's, there's this one, one objection that I love. It's when the opposing attorney is just berating a witness on the stand and repeating the same question over and over and over and over. And eventually, the, the other attorney will stand and say, Objection! Asked and answered. Listen to me. That thing that you've placed in the hands of God, it's been asked and answered. Thank you, Lord. Can we rest in knowing that if we're presented with something that causes us stress and anxiety and we ask God for help, are we convinced that He loves us enough to see his will, not yours, but knowing that he loves you. God, what, whatever you're going to do, I trust you. Asked and answered. I'll read to you 1 Peter 5 and 7. I quote this a lot from the pulpit, but I'm going to read to you 1 Peter 5 and 7 from the Amplified Bible. Listen. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on Him. For He cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Isn't that good? I'm going to read it again. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Lord, we cast our cares on you. Knowing that you care for us. And that you're watching over us with an all-seeing eye. Very carefully. Thank you that our prayers have been asked and answered. All right. The next step. Concentrate on things that add value. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So my question for you this morning is, are you focused on the situation? Are you focused on the circumstance? Are you focused on the storm? Or are you focused on the master? Are you concentrating on the circumstance? Or are you concentrating on Christ? Have you become so anxious about the future that you've lost sight of the one who holds the future in his hands? 
Have you spent so much time listening to the lies of the enemy that you can't hear the truth of God's Word? So we'll trust and concentrate on things that add value. Do you know that you have limited mental energy? I mean, we know we have limited physical energy, right? We know we can't, you know, anybody here going to run a marathon today? No. Okay. Run a marathon might look to you like getting up, you know, at halftime of a football game and going to the refrigerator and back before the commercial goes off. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what, um, you ha we know you have limited physical energy, but you know you have li limited mental energy. You've only got so much in that well. So here's a great question. Is the thing I'm spending my mental energy on helping the situation? It, is the thing that I'm focusing my mental energy on, is it helping? If it isn't, stop. You can spend your mental energy worrying about your marriage, or you can spend that energy learning how to be a better spouse. Come to Team Us. Yeah, here we go. Register lifepointchurch.cc. <laughs> you can spend your mental energy worrying about your debt, or you can spend that energy devising a plan on how to get out. It, let's just throw this, just a quick poll. Anybody ever been stressed about debt? Okay. Does worrying about it, stressing about it, does that take one nickel off? No, 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 no. Students, you can spend your mental energy worrying about a test coming up, or you can spend that mental energy doing something really radical, like studying for it. Come on, somebody. You can spend your mental energy stressing about the future. I know nobody in this room has ever done that. Or we can use that same energy to place our future in the hands of the one who holds it. Hmm. I'm convinced, y'all, that if the... How, how do I want to say this? If the enemy can occupy your mind and get you focusing on things that have no value. See, he doesn't he didn't care that, that you go commit some great big sin if he can just get your eyes off the master. Remember that story? Peter walking on water. Everything was fine until he started paying attention to the wind and waves, right? What would, what would happen if we just spent our energy, our mental energy and our spiritual energy focused on the one who can do something about it? What if we spent our mental, mental energy not trying to hang on to control, but to let it go? Oh. He said, think on these things. Think on things that are good. Think on things that are positive. Think on things that, that, that ha will have a positive effect on your situation instead of just concentrating on the wind and the waves. And then... Here's the last step. Experience God's peace. I, I want to show you something that I saw in this passage. And I, I, I think for the first time, and I thought it was cool. You may, not, you may not think it's cool, but I thought it was cool. Verse 7. You, you know, that, that word peace is such a powerful word, by the way. Verse 7, he said, and... The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. The peace of God. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And in verse 9, he said, when you put all this stuff into practice, listen, the God of peace will be with you. Listen, the, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds, but the God of peace will walk with you. There's this. And, and Paul said it. He said, put this stuff into practice. 
What stuff? The stuff he just talked to you about. Praise the Lord of the circumstance. Expect his presence. Ask God for help. Concentrate on things that add value. And then you can experience God's peace. Does that mean the circumstance changes? No. But the God of peace will be with you. When we do things God's way, it's incredible how the God of peace walks with us and talks with us and leads and guides and directs us. And, and oh, by the way, as you, as you go through this process, he may, he may call you to change some things in your life. He may call you to lay some things down. He may call you to, to do what we talked about last week and, and, and put some better things in your mind. He may call you to concentrate more on the voice of truth than, than the lies of the enemy. He may call you to take a little deeper step into his presence and power and in in your in your walk with christ he may call you to do some things and paul said if you'll do those things the god of peace will be with you see we we use that word peace like it's you know in, in our in our in our language when we hear the word peace it's this absence of conflict and most of y'all have lived in this world long enough to know that those times are few and far between. You know, it seems like there's always some kind of conflict in the world, right? It seems like, especially today, it's just, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, get on social media. You can't watch a television program. You certainly can't watch the news and there not just be conflict after conflict after conflict. So I'm going to tell you that when you when you read about the peace of God and you read about the God of peace, that word peace doesn't mean that that conflict just magically goes away. It's a in the in the New Testament, it's a Greek word. It's called irene, irene, irene. And it's, it's a path. It literally means there's a path to security and safety and salvation. There's a path to navigate in this crazy world that we live in that will lead to safety and security and salvation. And, and it involves the peace of God and the God of peace. Does that, does that mean that we'll never have to deal with anxiety and worry and stress and concern? No, it's not what it means. It does mean we don't have to live in that prison. Yeah. Donna's going to come and play. And I, I really, I really want this this time that we're going to have now, just this, this moment of prayer to be significant for all of us. Because if, if those statistics I read at the very beginning are anywhere close to true, then many, if not all of us in this room and watching online have dealt with anxiety and worry and fear. So it'd be cool if we could say the magic prayer and all of that goes away. That every circumstance, every situation in your life is just magically erased and, you know, all is rainbow and bunnies. <laughs> yes, it's not, it's not how it works. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that God's given us a path. A path where the peace of God can guard our hearts and minds and where the God of peace will walk with us, talk with us, and lead and guide and direct us. So I want you to bow your heads. Wow. You know, I, I, I told you that we wanted to concentrate more on our trust in God's word than our feelings and our senses but I want you to hear me I sense his presence in this place today. 
here's what I believe. I believe that you're here. And some of you have lived in a prison of anxiety and stress and worry apprehension and if I could be so bold as to speak for God this morning I would tell you that that's not his plan for you and he's given you a path and I believe he wants to do something supernatural in your heart and life today Not where, not where all the circumstances are, are red and rosy, but where you have an assurance that the peace of God is guarding your heart and mind and the God of peace is walking with you. And I want to pray for you. And I think this is how I want to do this today. If you'd say, Pastor Dwayne, I don't want to live in a prison of anxiety. Would you include me in that prayer? I just want you to slip your hand up. So we can do this a couple ways. I'm going to pray for you and you stay right where you're at. But if you want to kneel around these altars, they're open. If you want to come and kneel and pray, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. All across the room, stand to your feet. If you want to come and kneel when I pray, you can come and kneel around these altars or you can stay right where you're at. But here's what I believe. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do something special in your life. He's going to challenge you to walk this path that we've talked about this morning. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. Anxiety's a prison. We're not going to live there anymore. You've given us a path. Father. <laughs> and before we ask anything of you, we worship you. We rejoice in the Lord. We praise the God of every circumstance. We lift high the matchless name of Jesus. Honor Him for His goodness thanking Him for His mercy with prayer and petition today. We rejoice in the Lord. Some of us today, God, are surrendering control over circumstances and situations that we've held on to tightly. So God, we leave, we ask You for Your help and we leave it in Your hands because we trust You. You have proven Yourself faithful so we trust you thank you Lord God I, I want you to do a supernatural work in the hearts and minds of many this morning that would say I don't want to live in a prison of anxiety any longer God I pray that as we as we conclude this service and we, and we leave this place God, that wouldn't just be an end of a church service. It'd be a beginning of a path to where when every circumstance that would, uh, that would cause our anxiety level to raise and would want to lock the door of that prison, God, we remember that we lift high the name of Jesus. We rejoice in the Lord. We expect your presence. We ask you for help in every, the big stuff and the little stuff. We concentrate on you more than the storm. And God, and then we believe that we'll experience your peace. Your path to salvation and security. So God, in this moment, we worship you.
believe that you're doing a work in young people and old people alike. Men and women, as we surrender control, we rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to end this service in a, word, in a, in a, in a time of worship. Just a moment. Don's going to lead us in his chorus. Here's what I would just challenge you to do. Just rejoice in the Lord because his name is power. His name is life. He's able and more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even imagine. Would you worship him with me today? Thank you, Lord. Your name is power. Come on, lift your voice to God. Your name is <laughs> Your name is love. Here we go. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Oh, your name is power. Your name is God, with thanksgiving in our hearts, we give you praise for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and lives in this moment, in this time together. Thank you for allowing us to stand in your presence, and thank you that we leave with the God of peace by our side. We love you, Jesus. Now I want you to offer him the biggest ovation of praise you have all day, because he's good. Yes! Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God have, you guys have an awesome, awesome afternoon.